Throughout time in history, there have been people who have made a significant impact. People like George Washington or Abraham Lincoln, people like Albert Einstein or Thomas Edison, people like Harriet Tubman or Rosa Parks, people like Billy Graham or like Mother Teresa. All of these people lived at different times and in different places, but they all had one thing in common. They all had a life mission. They all lived a life of mission and purpose. And I believe that God has created us as people to have a mission and purpose. And I want to start this series by sharing with you that God has a mission for each one of us. A God-given mission and purpose that he wants to extend to our lives and he wants to reveal to us. And I just want to invite you today as we start this series to open your heart to the mission that God wants to give to you. In life, a mission is essential. It gives us meaning and purpose. It provides direction and a destination. It gives us clarity about what we should do and where we should go. You see, a mission is defined as a calling, as an important assignment. And I believe that God has an important mission and assignment for each one of us. And so if you find yourself wandering in life right now, I want to invite you to open your heart and allow God to speak to you about a mission that he has for you, something important he intends for you to accomplish. You weren't born just to take space and just to breathe oxygen. You were created by God to create a, a significant impact and to live on mission. In fact, that's the title of today's message, Live on Mission. Live on Mission. I want to invite you to say it with me. Say it from your heart. Live on mission. God has created us to live on mission, but not our own mission, but his mission, because his mission connects us to his divine purpose. And whenever he gives us a mission, he gives us divine direction and a divine destiny. I have found that a mission is essential in life. A God-given mission is essential in life because it answers important questions that we often ask in life. Questions like, why do I exist? And what is my purpose? Another way to phrase these questions would be to say, why am I here and where am I going? Truth is, all of us ask those questions. And whenever we don't have answers to those questions, we wander aimlessly through life. I'm here to share with you, God did not create you to wander aimlessly. He wanted you to have a life of purpose and direction. And I just believe that God throughout this series is gonna to begin to speak clearly to you about what your mission is, what your purpose is, why you're here and what you're intended to do. And so I just invite you to lean into this conversation. Allow God to speak to your heart. You know, as a church, we have a mission. We have a mission. It defines why we exist, and it provides direction to what we will do and where we will go. Westover exists to follow Jesus, love people. Follow Jesus, love people. That's our mission. Follow Jesus, love people. Say it with me. Follow Jesus, love people. In fact, this mission comes right out of the Bible. It comes from the words of Jesus. In Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40, this is what Jesus said to his disciples. And his disciples were people who followed him. This is what he said in verse 37 and following. 
You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. What Jesus is telling us here is this, is that love requires full devotion. He doesn't say love him with some of our heart and some of our soul and some of our mind. He says, love me with all your heart, your soul, and all your mind. Love is full devotion. The way we frame it here at Westover is follow Jesus. Because if we truly love Jesus, we're willing to follow him. Jesus said this, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. He goes on to say that if we truly love him, we're going to obey everything that he's commanded us to do. So in our modern vernacular, we need to follow Jesus. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He gives a second commandment. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. What he's saying is, love people. What Jesus is saying is that our life mission is to follow Jesus and love people. But we must do both in order to fulfill the mission of God. We must be willing to follow Jesus and love people. If we follow Jesus but we don't love people, we miss the mission. If we love people but we don't follow Jesus, we miss the mission. We must follow Jesus first and then love people second in order to fulfill the mission of God. And I want to invite you. I want to invite you to lean in and let this be the mission of your life. For the Musset family, this is our life mission. Candidly, we tell our kids, we're created by God to follow Jesus and love people. If you find yourself at a place where you don't have a life mission, this is a really great life mission. It's not only the mission of our church, but it can be your life mission as well. And so allow this to be something that God whispers to you to follow Jesus and love people. Today, we're going to look at God's word, and we're going to explore how we can live on mission. I want to invite you to join me in Matthew chapter 28. And while you're turning there, I want to just share with you a little bit of the context of what's happening in Matthew chapter 28. At this point, Jesus has already died and risen from the dead. He's speaking to his disciples. He's offering them encouragement. And in this passage, it's actually called the Great Commission. So I want to read these verses for you. Matthew 28, verses 16 and following. Open up your Bible, open up your Westover app. Let's look at the word of God together and let's allow God to speak to us about how we can live on mission. Verse 16, then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some of them doubted. I want you to pay attention to that. When they showed up, they worshiped him, but they still doubted. I'm gonna unpack that in just a moment of, why they were doubting. Look what Jesus says in verse 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority, say all authority, in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. What I love about this specific passage, verse 19, is that Jesus very clearly affirms that there's one God revealed in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In this passage, 
Jesus affirms that there's one God revealed in three persons. And so we live in a culture that sometimes says it's Jesus only or Jesus is not really God. I'm here to tell you based on the authority of God's word that there is one God revealed in three persons and it's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But look at what Jesus does. He then provides them with additional instruction in verse 20. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What I love about this last verse is this, is that Jesus was telling them, I'm with you today. But in this verse, he's actually speaking to us. He says, I'm going to be with you till the end of the age. I know there's moments and times in life when we feel like God has abandoned us. But this is the last verse of the book of Matthew. And Jesus says, I will be with you until the end of the age. I will be with you every step of the way. I don't know who I'm speaking to today, but I know that there's some of you who have some doubts about whether God is right there, right next to you. I wanna reassure you, he's as close as the mention of his name, and all we need to do is cry out to the name of Jesus, and he'll be right there, right ready to help you, and to help you move forward. I believe this is some truth that should excite us and bring joy to our heart. In this passage, Jesus gives his disciples a mission. It's called the Great Commission. And for those of you who have been in the military, you know what a commission is. A commission is an assignment from your commanding officers to fulfill a specific duty, and you're provided with the authority to fulfill it. In fact, if I had to break down what a commission is, it comes down to three essential ingredients. And I'm using the word act as a way to remember it. A-C-T. A commission is an assignment to act. It comes with authority, it's given through a command, and you're given a task. Again, a commission is when you get the authority from your commanding officer through a command to complete a task. And God is giving us a commission today. He's giving us a divine assignment. He's giving us the authority to act on his behalf, to fulfill a specific task, which is to tell the world that Jesus is real and that he has a plan and purpose for your life. And I'm here to share with you, I'm trying to fulfill my great, I'm trying to fulfill my mission today by telling you who Jesus is. And he's inviting us to do the same. He's inviting us to share the good news of who Jesus is, not only on Sunday, but throughout the week. Jesus came to empower us for the mission ahead. I love what Jesus says here. Go and make disciples. He's telling them, become a disciple, become a follower, and then you'll have the authority you need to fulfill the task, to tell people about who I am. What I like about this is that it's a command, it's a non-negotiable. For those of you who have been in the army, you know, or in the military, you know that when you receive a command from your commanding officer, it's a non-negotiable. Well, today we've received a command and a commission from our Lord and Savior who is our commanding officer. And he's saying, go, make disciples, teach them to obey all that I've taught you to do. And I'm here to share with you, he's gonna give you the strength you need to fulfill that assignment. Today I wanna share with you two steps to fulfill the Great Commission. The first one is this, faithfully follow Jesus. Faithfully follow Jesus. Don't be a sometimes follower of Jesus. Be an everyday follower of Jesus. 
Now, for those of you who know me, you know that I love sports, you know that I love football, and you know that I love the Dallas Cowboys. Yes, yes. And I am a faithful follower of the Dallas Cowboys. And I will share with you, it is hard being a Dallas Cowboys fan. Because over the last 25 plus years, we haven't won more than four games in the postseason. And I get criticized every time I tell people I'm a Cowboys fan. They say, you're foolish. You should pick a better team. You should choose a better team. You should choose a team that actually wins. And I hear you, but I'm a Cowboys fan. I'm a follower of the Cowboys. Okay? Now, you can criticize Cowboy fans, but one thing you cannot say about Cowboys fans is that they're fair-weather fans. Because Cowboys fans are faithful followers. They faithfully follow the team where they win or lose. I wonder, though, sometimes if we're more committed to a pro or college team than we are to Jesus. I think some of us were more committed to a team than we are to God. Honestly, as a pastor, one of my struggles is is that I see some of you who are more committed on social media to your team than you are to sharing God's word and using your platform of social media to share who God is. I wonder if some of us are more committed to our barriada than we are to praising God. The truth is, is that God's inviting us to be a faithful follower. He's not asking us to be a fair-weather fan. You see, a fan is someone who observes the game from the stands. But a follower is someone who obeys and gets in the game and makes things happen. And today, God's inviting us to be faithful followers. To not just sometimes follow Jesus, but every day follow Jesus. To choose to follow him each and every moment of life. In verse 16, we discover that the disciples were faithful followers of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus told them, go to this mountain and wait for me there. I think some of them wondered, where is Jesus? They got to the mountain, they climbed the mountain, they wondered, where is Jesus? And then all of a sudden, Jesus showed up. And they didn't know what they were doing there. They didn't know why God told them to go there. But they were willing to obey. Verse 17 tells us that when Jesus got there, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Why did they doubt? Have you wondered that? Why did they doubt? They doubted because they didn't know what their next step was. You know, you can doubt and still worship God. You can doubt and still obey God. I think sometimes we want to know everything before we obey, but that's not how faith works. Faith works where you obey even when you don't understand. Faith is a step where you're saying, Jesus, I'm willing to follow you. Wherever you go, I'm going to go. Wherever you tell me to do, I'm going to do. I'm going to go where you want me to go, and I'm going to do what you want me to do. See, God's presence is where we can worship him. And we need to worship him when we step into his presence. But sometimes God doesn't reveal his purpose till we step into his presence, till we're willing to obey first and then understand later. So what do you do when you doubt? Well, we do what the disciples did. We're just willing to obey. 
We're willing to step forward in, in faith, believing that God knows where we need to go. And he knows what we need to do, even when we don't understand. And I put it to you this way. When you doubt, seek spiritual clarity, not logical certainty. Seek spiritual clarity, not logical certainty. Many of us, we want to understand with our mind. But remember what Jesus said. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and then your mind. It's not by accident that God put it in that order. Sometimes we have to follow him with our heart and our soul. That's what faith does. And then what happens is in between our heart and our soul and our mind understanding is where God reveals what he's going to do. These disciples were willing to follow him with their heart and soul even when they didn't understand with their mind. And many of us were trying to understand with our mind before we understand with our heart and with our soul. Seek spiritual clarity, not logical certainty. We can't think our way into the kingdom. We have to have faith to step into the kingdom of God. In fact, Jesus talks about how we need to have faith in him. We need to trust him. We need to believe in him, even when we doubt. As some of you know, we've got two kids, Aiden and Alexis. And when Aiden was a little kid, he was an angel. He listened to us. He trusted us. Anytime we told him we were going to go somewhere, he said, I want to come. Can I go? And we would take him along. And he would go right where we were taking him to go. And then he became a teenager. And everything changed. One day we woke up and we realized that our little boy was not sweet anymore. He was a teenager. We began to wonder. As parents, who is living in our son's room right now? Who is this person? You see, I don't know if you know this, parents, but teenagers know everything. I don't know if you know that, but teenagers, they know everything. Now when we talk to him, he stops us mid-sentence and says, Dad, Mom, I know, I know. I know. How many of you parents are tired of hearing, I know? Yes, you know. You know how that is. We can't tell him anything because he knows everything. Keep in mind, my son, he's in ninth grade. He's 14. He doesn't have a job. He doesn't pay any bills. He doesn't have a driver's license. He doesn't have a car. He has no way to take care of himself. We take care of him. He's dependent on us, but he's wanting to act independent of us. It got me thinking. I wonder if we're like that with God, where we tell God, you know what? God, I know it. I already know. I already know what you're going to do. I already know what you're going to say. I already know what's next. I wonder if many of us were struggling in our life because we want God to do something new. But could it be possible that the fact that we have this I know attitude is what's preventing God from doing the next new thing in our life? Because if we're limiting God, he can't do something new in our life. Yes, he still has the power to do something amazing. But if we limit him with our our small-minded thinking, we can't see him do something new. In fact, Jesus talks to us and tells us 
that we need to become like children in order to inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, we need to have a childlike faith. We need to return back to that moment where we say, God, you know everything. You know where I need to go. You know what I need to do, and I'm trusting you. I'm believing in faith that where you're leading me, you're going to lead me to the best place I need to be. I think many of us, we need to step into that season in our life again, willing to say, God, I'm willing to trust you. I'm willing to believe in you. Ladies, I want to encourage you to trust and believe in God. I've sensed for weeks that there's been a blanket, a heavy blanket of disappointment and distraction that you've been facing. And I believe the enemy's working overtime to prevent you from coming to thrive. Why? Because if he can distract you, he can destroy you. If he can keep you away from God's presence, he can keep you away from God's purpose. And I want to invite every woman to come to thrive. Why? Because God has a divine appointment for you. He wants to meet with you. He wants to refresh you. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to provide purpose and meaning and life to you. And I don't want you to miss out on what God has for you. I want to invite you to come and don't come alone. Bring a friend. Come to thrive. Allow God to speak life and truth and hope over your life. Bring a friend. Don't come alone. Be willing to faithfully follow Jesus. As you hear, I believe God wants to spiritually reign over you. He wants to pour his spirit over you. He wants to wash away your disappointment, wash away your frustration, wash away your worries and your fears. And God's presence is going to come down just like the rain is coming down right now. And he's going he's to sprinkle his presence in this place. In fact, I don't think you have to wait till Thrive. In fact, at the end of this service, we're going to have a moment of worship. And I believe that God's presence is already here. He's already operating. And he wants to wash away your concerns. We just have to be willing to step into what he has for us. Here's the second step to fulfill the Great Commission. Go and make disciples, not duplicates. Go and make disciples, not duplicates. Jesus said, come follow me. He didn't say, come follow Pastor John. You see, we're not intended to have followers. The only person who's intended to have followers is Jesus. I feel like sometimes what happens in our culture is many of us were focused so much on building our own brand and our own following but here's the truth. Building our own brand and our own following is not more important than building the kingdom of God. We must be focused on building the kingdom. I think many of us were frustrated in our life because we're trying to build something and we're frustrated saying, God, why aren't you helping me build what I'm trying to build? And he's saying, guess what? What you're trying to build is not what I'm trying to build. I think many of us were trying to build something great, but truly it's just the Tower of Babel. And it's going to lead us away from God. And I believe that God wants us to build his kingdom. You were created for a divine purpose. Just like every tool in my toolbox at home has a specific mission and purpose, you have a specific mission and purpose. Allow yourself to put yourself in the hands of God and let him use you to accomplish something great. But we must be willing to make disciples, not build duplicates. Paul said this, 
Follow my example as I follow Christ. He didn't say, come follow me. He said, come follow my example as I follow Christ. Truly, don't follow me. Follow Jesus. Together, let's follow Jesus. Let's go make disciples. And what making disciples is, is arranging introductions, helping people connect with Jesus. Saying, this is Jesus. He's my friend. He's the Lord and Savior of my life. He has a plan and a purpose for my life, and he does for you as well. This is what we're created to do. We're created to make disciples. Then what Jesus says in verses 19 and 20, he says, go and teach these disciples to obey everything that I've commanded to you. This applies to all of us. He intends for us to teach other people about how to follow Jesus. What I love about verse 18 is this. He says, he says all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I want to remind you, you have all the authority you need from Jesus to go make disciples. I know you may be concerned. I know you may feel like you're inadequate. But God will give you the authority. And he'll also give you the power. Look at what it says in Acts 1.8. This is Jesus speaking right before he goes to heaven. He says this, but you will receive power. Say power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, you're intended to be a witness of what God can do, both in your family, in your friend group. That's Jerusalem and Judea. Samaria are the people you know in your extended network and throughout the world. Today, God's inviting us to be a witness, and he's going to provide his power to us through the Holy Spirit. But all, we must, all, was, all what we must do is be willing to step into his presence and say, God, I need you to give me the power I need. If you're willing to do it, he'll give you the power you need. Today, as I close, I want to invite you to stand. We're going to step into a moment where we seek the presence of God. But I don't want this moment to pass without giving you the opportunity to say yes to following Jesus. What you'll discover in following Jesus is that he has a plan and a purpose for you. He has a divine direction and a destiny for you. And I want to invite you to step in and say yes to him. Here at Westover, we believe that saying yes to Jesus is as clear as ABC. It's A, admitting that we believe in Jesus and that we need him in, his, in our life. B, believing in our heart that he died on the cross to pay for our sins. Also believing that he rose again on the third day to give us life, hope, and freedom. And then see, confessing with our heart, from our, with our mouth out loud that we want him to be the Lord and Savior of our life. And I don't want this moment to pass without giving you the opportunity to say yes to Jesus. And so here's what I want to invite you to do. I want to invite everyone to bow their head and close their eyes. I know there's some of you who are here. You don't know Jesus but you know you need him in your life. Today is your moment. Here's what I'd invite you to do. If you know you need Jesus, on the count of three, I wanna invite you to raise your hand. You're not joining this church. You're just saying yes to Jesus. Here it is. One, two, three. Yes, yes, yes. Jesus sees you. He knows you. I wanna invite you, those of you who have your hands raised up high, I want to invite you to say this prayer from your heart out loud. In fact, all of us are going to say this prayer. And I believe that as you say this prayer, you're establishing a relationship with Jesus. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, I need you today. I've tried to do life 
without you. I realize I can't. Thank you for going to the cross to pay for my sin. I choose the forgiveness you extend to me. Today I choose to make you the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for loving me. I put my trust in you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. If you just said that prayer for the first time, congratulations. Welcome to the family of God. Here's what I'd invite you to do. I'd invite you to sign up for our Follow Jesus class. We have it every Sunday. It's a class to help you take a step of faith and to grow in your relationship with Jesus and also sign up for water baptism so we can celebrate what God has already done in your life. But this moment isn't done. In fact, I believe as we step into this moment of worship that God's presence is already here. And I felt for this moment specifically that God wants to give you the power that you need to step out and live out the mission of God. And if you're at a place where you know you need the power of God moving in your life, this is your moment. Don't miss this moment. Don't leave the way you came. Be willing to step into God's presence. Be willing to say, God, I'm going to make your, your presence a priority. I'm going to step in in faith. I don't fully know where I'm going, but I know you know where I need to go. In fact, to establish an atmosphere where God can move, I want to invite you to raise your hands. Sometimes we need to change our body position to change our heart. In just a moment, I'm going to issue an appeal for you to come up to the front. And I just want you to come up to the front and worship. Why? Because sometimes we have to take a step of faith. Those disciples were willing to follow Jesus and go to the mountain. But it was on the mountain, after their obedience, that God revealed his purpose to them. And so this is your moment to put feet to your faith, to say, God, I'm going to live on mission. And I'm going to believe that as I step into your presence, you're going to reveal your purpose for me. Let's worship together. Let's worship together. Jesus, we come to you in this moment. We ask you, God, to move powerfully in our midst. You've already shared with us that you want to rain down upon us your presence and your power. You've expressed it physically, and now you're expressing it to us spiritually, God. Give us the confidence to trust in you that what you speak, you will accomplish. God, help us step out in faith, believing you at your word, that when we follow you in faith, that you eventually will reveal your divine purpose to us. I pray, Lord, that as they grow closer to you, that you will speak life over them. Bless your people. Let them step out in faith in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite you to come. Why don't you come? Don't, don't hesitate. Come now. Come now. Come now. Come now. Come now. And as you come up to the front, if you need someone to pray for you, I just want to invite you to raise your hands. Our prayer team is going to come by, and they're going to pray with you and encourage you. I believe that not only will God speak divine purpose to you, but I've also sensed for this specific moment, this specific weekend, that God also wants to cause miracles in your life. So if you need a miracle, this is also your moment. I want to invite you to come. If you need someone to pray with you, raise your hands. They're going to come by and they're going to pray with you. But right now, let's worship God. Let's give him the praise that he deserves. Let's worship together.